Now batting for the Cubs corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cubs Corner. My name is Anthony Pasquale, and as always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill. Coach's is located at 6169 North, Northwest Highway on the northwest side of Chicago. Great food over there. They're starting to open back up as the pandemic slowly starts to drift away, so please get out to Coach's. On this show, we've got another frequent guest. He's our AL expert, Robert Fiorante. Bob, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you for having me. Great start to the season. Not as much of a sense of urgency as we had in a shortened season last year, but fun to watch every game for sure. Yeah, for every team, we're just about 10 games in, aside from a few that have had games postponed. Cubs are off to a 4-6 and six start. Sox off to a 5-5 five and five start. We'll start with the Cubs. Um, I've personally seen a team that's been very underwhelming to watch. I can understand when somebody says baseball is boring when you watch a breed of baseball that the Cubs have been playing. Very home run dependent. They like to go deep in counts, strike out a lot, walk a lot. Um, The pitching first time through the rotation was good. Second time through the rotation, not all that good. Um, Down to a 4-6 and record, including losing a series to the Pirates. Not a great start for the boys in blue. Yeah, it had definitely, you're, you're all over that, especially, I would say, for, for the offense of the Cubs. Um, but I would say, after watching a little bit of Cardinals baseball, a little bit of Brewers baseball, it, does, it, it doesn't look like anyone's going to run away with that division anytime soon. Um, even the Reds have played really well, so, but I, I think it's going to be a close and um, tight race all year long, and I think the Cubs will be right there if they can just get the bats going a little bit. I know that's been a a topic and a theme for a while, but they'll be right there. I don't think anyone's going to run away. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's been the same issue since like 2018 in the last few months. The the offense has struggled um, to put together rallies. They've struggled in big moments, late in games, high leverage. Um, Because, you know, every game, like the last four or five games, and I think they've lost three in a row now, um, two to end that (coughs) Pirate series and one to open the Milwaukee series that continues today um they start off every game one nothing and then they give up one massive inning six runs seven runs etc and then they can't mount that comeback that seems to be a trend at this point yeah absolutely um it's nice i mean it's always nice to get off the quick starts don't think my white Sox have scored in the first inning all year um to be honest it's 10 games they have zero in the first inning so it's just what you do after that and it's limiting the damage two to three running you could deal with Six to seven, um, especially if you're only putting up a couple runs, um, it's really going to hurt. And especially you want to win those Pirates games because, you know, the Pirates are the worst team in the division, so you got to win those. And especially 19, 18, 19 games with each team um, in the division, and the Cubs are loaded in the division early. It'd be nice to get some of these if you're a Cubs fan. Yeah, we've got six with Pittsburgh, nine with Milwaukee just in the month of April. You hope to stack those wins together. Like you said, nobody's going to run away with this division, so winning those division games are going to be all that more important. The Sox know exactly where I'm talking about. Got a nice division win over the Indians yesterday. They're off to a 5-5 start. Different parts of the team have been better than expected. I think this team was expected to have a fiery offense with a lockdown bullpen, and it's really been the starting rotation kind of carrying the, the, the most of the workload so far, right? Yeah, absolutely. Early storylines for the Sox have been injuries to Tim, to Aloy, um, a couple key guys there, even even like an Adam, e- uh, Adam Engel. You, you, they don't have much outfield depth right now, so that hurts. 
Um, but like you said, Lance Lynn's been a horse early, hasn't given up an earned run. Um, complete game shutout. That was fantastic. But the thing that stuck out to me is we before yesterday, we really needed that win yesterday. We had not won a close game. Um, we lost three out of four of the Angels, all within three runs. Um, lost a close one to Kansas City over on Sunday. And our wins had all been by four or more runs. I think three of them by six runs. So it was nice to get a close win. Um, the bullpen has been struggling mightily. It was nice for them to lock it down last night, um, get out of some jams. But the bullpen really needs to turn it around um, to avoid that storyline because that was the biggest thing coming into the year was our bullpen. And it has not shown up in the first 10 before yesterday. Want a good storyline? How about the guy Yerman Mercedes start? Yeah, he has been unreal. Um, he's hitting 500 right now. He, he, I feel bad for Andrew Vaughn. He took the, the DH spot completely away from Andrew Vaughn, um, who was expected to get it. And with Aloy's injury, he's playing a little left field now. So your means the everyday DH, um, which has been nice. So the Sox are carrying three catchers right now, but he's getting the everyday starts. And then Zach Collins and Yaz. Uh, Grand Dollar are basically splitting behind the plate a little bit. Yeah, getting a little more time. But Yermin's going to be in there every day. He's a spark right now, and we really need him with all these injuries. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly sounds like it. So early on, who would you say is the Sox's MVP, and do you think it stays that way throughout the year? Well, it's definitely Yermin um, right now. Jose Abreu has not heated up yet. Um, but in addition to Yermin, I would say the starters – they need to get a little deeper into games. Lance Lynn's complete game really helped the bullpen out a little bit. Um, but but I, I think I was talking to you a little bit about it a couple days ago. Sox don't really have that long reliever in the bullpen, so they kind of need six to seven innings because they're only getting one to two out of each reliever. Um, so it'd be nice to get six to seven innings. So I'd say Lance Lynn, maybe a Giolito, um, and definitely your mean early on. For the Cubs, I would say, you know, it, it hasn't been a lot. Um, I would say Craig Kimbrell has certainly been a, an X factor this far. He's thrown four scoreless innings, a bunch of strikeouts, got two saves already. Um, he's off to a much better start than we've seen from him in a Cubs uniform. Offensively, the team only has 49 hits to start the year through 10 games. That is the lowest amount of hits in any 10-game stretch, not only to start the season, but in Cubs history. So this offense is in some kind of struggle like we've never seen before. But of those 49 hits, 21 have been for extra bases. And of those 21, seven have come off the bat from Chris Bryant. So I would say early on offensively, he's been the MVP, uh, four doubles, three homers so far. You'd like to see some other guys start hitting. I mean, he leads the team in average, and he's batting like 260. So nobody even near your means 500. We'd like to see the offense pick up a little bit if, if you're a Cubs fan. Yeah, absolutely, and um, I would say the other thing is with that low batting average and very low amount of hits, to have four wins, um, at least, I mean, that's about as good as you can expect, so I know you had mentioned that bullpen a little bit. They've been real good early, especially Craig Craig Kimbrough, like you said. Yeah, absolutely, and, you know, even though the starts aren't maybe as good as Cubs fans or Sox fans would even like at this point, it's nice that we can at least watch baseball. It's great to have baseball back on the screen. I'm sure you'd agree with me. But it's tough because not everybody has that luxury, and I think that's an MLB problem. Oh, absolutely. Um, as you know, I'm in Milwaukee right now. I had to get MLB TV. But there were a lot of problems even yesterday with the Blackhawks going on. Um, I know the Sox had to get switched to a different channel. 
half the people couldn't see a clear screen. It wasn't in HD. Um, what's his name? Couldn't even watch the games. Uh, Josh Bell, I think it was for the Nationals, couldn't even watch the games. It was blacked out. We need to stop the blackout restrictions. There needs to be a package where you can just watch all the games, especially if you're in town or even out of town. There just needs to be a way. Yeah, I mean, that that's the worst part about baseball. And, you know, you could talk whatever you want about um, putting a runner on second base in extra innings to speed up the games, making double hitters seven innings, um, only allowing people to put one foot out of the box. Remember when they tried that? All these stupid rules to speed up the game by one minute, two minutes. That's not the problem. The problem is the fact that people who want to watch baseball can't. So when you go on, you know, let's say you're in Chicago, and as the whole world switches to this streaming world of watching sports and watching TV, you log on to your MLB TV, and it says you can't watch the White Sox because you're within their their market. You can only watch if you're out of market. Okay, what are you going to do? You're going to watch the Bulls. You're going to watch the Hawks. You're going to watch where you can watch. And that's why all these other sports are gaining fans that baseball could have if they just had a game that was watchable, right? Oh, absolutely. And I know we were both home over the weekend. I do have MLB TV, like I said. Um, and we were just in the car. I, I tried to park and I tried to turn on um, the Sox and it was blacked out, which is pretty ridiculous. Like you pay for this yearly fee. You should just be able to watch the game, like the team you pay for or all the teams that you pay for that wherever you are. And it just doesn't work like that. Yeah, and especially, like I said, so many people are going away from cable. Their only way to watch is these streams. So blacking it out is just, I mean, plain idiotic, in my opinion. I think MLB needs to figure something out to make their game watchable. I think Nick Castellanos has mentioned a lot about that. Ian Happ hosts a podcast. He's been a very fan-oriented player, and he said the same thing. How do we plan to grow the game if people can't even watch it? So I think, you know... MLB better start listening or else they're really going to lose some fans. Yeah, and the toughest part about it is you do have those fans that probably want to start watching and can't, and then you have those diehard fans or just normal fans who also can't watch it. So you're, you're excluding people who want to watch and not allowing people who would begin watching by doing these restrictions. Yeah, I've got family members that with the Marquee Network that – Um, subscribe to a TV service that doesn't hold the marquee network and just aren't able to watch Cubs games. And these are people that have been diehard fans for 35, 40 years. I think a lot of of people need to be able to watch these games, if not only if we want it to grow, but if we want to maintain fans that are, you know, a little bit older as well. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Seems like the MLB did make a move that – Fans, at least most fans, are going to appreciate moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta. It'll now be in Colorado. Same time, middle of July, just like usual. What do you think of the MLB's decision here? Yeah, so they're definitely taking a progressive stance on on moving this game here. Um, they're basically standing against voter suppression, which isn't just an Atlanta problem, um, but it especially became an Atlanta problem with the new law that they passed um, to suppress voters from certain counties. Um, so great move by them. Some people didn't like it, but I think the overwhelming majority support it and understand it at the very least. Um, but I was more interested, or at least interested, in the move to Colorado. Obviously not a great team, a beautiful ballpark, uh, but just traded their generational talent away, so they're not really trying to win, and you're rewarding a team for that. But um, either way, it's a beautiful ballpark, and it should make for an especially great home run derby in that ballpark. Oh, absolutely. Ball is going to be flying out of there for sure. I I agree with you. I think it was the right choice from the MLB. 
I sort of feel bad for the Braves. You know, they have that patch on their jersey, looking forward to playing the All-Star game in their home stadium. It's an exciting year for them. They're supposed to be good, and then all of a sudden that gets ripped away from them. But you flip over to Colorado, like you said, a little bit questionable that they move it to a team that is supposed to probably finish last in their division. But either way, nice ballpark, should make for a lot of fun. I was hoping the game would come to Chicago. Were you? I was. I, I kind of thought for a second that it would. I know probably at least more than five teams inquired about it. Um, I, I thought in, in like a quick couple months away kind of a thing that they would go to a ballpark that they know pretty well and that's hosted it a bunch of times. So I would have loved to see it in Chicago as well. Um, but I don't, I don't know why that didn't happen or how the decision got made. But either way, it should make for a fun weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Maybe you and I can get our tails over there for the game. We'll move along here on the Cubs corner. We've got some news. Came out a little bit later last week, but Fergie Jenkins is going to be getting a statue outside of Wrigley Field, an honor incredibly deserved for him. He's been one of the best pitchers in franchise history. He'll join Ernie Banks, Billy Williams, Ron Santo, and Harry Carey as people with statues outside the stadium. Bob, my question for you is for the White Sox. Who do you think is the next player, person, coach, broadcaster, etc., to get a statue at Guaranteed Rate Field? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is I wouldn't be surprised at all if Hawk Harrelson gets one. He just retired a couple years ago, still around. Um, and if that were to happen, I would think that they want it to happen while he's still alive. He's getting up there in age, so they're going to have to get on that. Uh, but 100% I see Paul Canerco getting one. He was a huge part of the, uh, the organization for years, World Series champion. Um, so I could definitely see him getting one. Mark Burley I could see getting one, but in the immediate future, I would see Hawk Harrison getting one. Sounds good. I thought Conurco did have one. Did they not put one out yet? Maybe he does. I'm not exactly sure on that. Either way, if he does or he doesn't, he will. Yeah, I, I think so for sure. You look at the Cubs, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they decided to reward Ryan Sandberg with one. I know it's been a while since he retired, but... Jenkins retired even longer before that, so um, I would not be surprised. I also think somebody from the 2016 team is going to get a statue. I don't know if it's going to be Epstein or Madden or Rizzo. Rizzo would probably be the player most likely, or maybe maybe even a large one of you know Bryant and Rizzo and then Baez and Russell hugging when that last out happened in 2016. Something like that to really commemorate that season I think is needed outside of Wrigley. Oh, absolutely, and I think they'll they'll definitely make something like that happen. I've got just one more little thing I want to do before I send you off on your merry way. We talked a little bit before the season started with some division predictions, um, but we didn't quite get into some award predictions, and I know the season's about 10 games started, so some of these uh, races have already formed a little bit, but let's, let's do some reward predictions. We'll start in the AL. That's your expertise. Um, we'll go AL MVP. Who do you like? It's tough. AL MVP this year. Um, I know we had talked briefly about it a couple days ago. The Angels are going to be better. Um, right now they have the best record, best winning percentage in the AL at 7-3, 7-100. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Mike Trout um, because he wins it when his teams aren't great. So his team's going to be real good this year. But I know we mentioned Shohei Otani. If he keeps anything close, if he stays healthy and keeps anything close to what he's doing right now up, um, I don't know how you consider Trout more valuable than that. If he's got like a three ERA, 
batting 280, driving in 90-plus runs, that's easily the most valuable player on the team. So if he stays healthy and does both all year round, he's 100% a candidate to win MVP along with Mike Trout. So I'm going to say somebody from the Angels, either Trout or Otani, wins MVP. I was just about to say the same thing, especially if the season ended today or sometime soon. You could almost book that somebody from the Angels is going to win that award. Um, I think Trout or Otani make a great case. Um, I would probably go with one of them, but if I had to pick somebody from the field, um, that would likely put probably Aaron Judge in the mix. Um, maybe... Uh, Nelson Cruz keeps hitting. Maybe he'll be in the mix. Byron Buxton's off to a great start. Keep an eye on those guys. And then, you know, you got your stars that just maybe haven't started off great. J.D. Martinez might be somebody uh, if the Red Sox keep winning. Um, Bo Bichette or, you know, Vlad Guerrero. Somebody from the Blue Jays I'm sure will be considered as well. Um, How about A.L. Cy Young Award winner? I'll go first here. I might steal your thunder. I think it's going to be Giolito, personally. I definitely think he'll be in the mix, but honest, to be completely honest with you, I do think Lance Lynn's going to have a better year than Giolito. Um, third in the rotation right now, and he's just a horse out there. Um, he gives it his all every time. He does not want the ball taken from him. So I'm going to go a different direction. A little bit of an underdog dark horse here. I think Zach Plesak of, of Cleveland wins the Cy Young this year. All the hype with Beaver last year. I think Plesak's just as good. He had a little bit of a COVID spout last year going out when he wasn't supposed to, so he missed a few starts. He got sent down. Um, but if he keeps his act together this year with Terry Francona back in the dugout, I think he will. Um, and I think Zach Plesak wins it this year. I could even see a Tyler Glass now um, with Blake Snell gone. He's the main guy in Tampa. Um, he is the guy. Um, and he had a great start yesterday. He, he's nasty when he throws. Um, so one of those two is my pick. I like it. I think those are good picks. I'm going to stick with Giolito, but I like Glass now as well. I think he's an interesting option. You know, we don't know entirely who all the rookies that are going to be brought up are, um, but right now it seems like a no-brainer for your mean, right? Oh, for sure. Right now, yeah, 100%. But I'm pretty sure this is true that Randy Rosarena can still win it, um, even though he's played parts of two seasons in the majors last year with the Rays and a little bit with the Cardinals. If he can still win it, um, in my mind, he's got to be the favorite, at least at the beginning of the year. Right now, it's your mean, but keep an eye on Randy. Yeah, Ra- he can still win it. Randy had that electric playoff run with the Rays. Um, I think the reason why is he only played a few games with the Cardinals back in 2019. In 2020, they said the service time that you got in 19 was going to be what you get in 20. So that year really didn't count at all for him in terms of service time. So he does still have that rookie status. So we'll keep an eye on him. How about AL Manager of the Year? I'll go first with a guy I know very well from Chicago. I think if the Angels have a good year, it's Joe Madden's award to lose. Absolutely. Um, he's 100%. They're, they're in for a big year, and they look great so far. If that starting pitching holds up, their bullpen has improved, I think, from last year, even losing Robles. Um, but I think he's in there. Right now, I would probably go with Charlie Montoyo of the Blue Jays as like a long shot if they if they get to ninety wins or close to it, um, and they're a playoff team. They probably won't win the division because the Yankees are in there and the Rays are in there. Um, but I, I definitely think he's a guy to look to, especially with that young squad if they make the playoffs. I like it. We'll switch gears here into the NL. I think the National League MVP is going to be a very interesting race. Just off the top of my head. You know, 
you got Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, both on the Dodgers. You've got Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, both on the Padres, although Tatis is injured right now. You've got Acuna and Freddie Freeman, both on the Braves. Those are six guys that could easily win it, and those are just three teams. You got Nolan Arenado that'll likely um, have his numbers play himself into the mix. Francisco Lindor in his first year on the Mets um, should probably be in the conversation. That's all without even mentioning Juan Soto, who many call the best young hitter in the MLB. So if you had a gut instinct of who's winning the NL MVP today, who are you picking? Yeah, so I would love to go with Juan Soto. I think he's the best player in the league, in the NL. Um, But I think he's going to have a little bit of a Mike Trout effect. I don't think the Nationals are going to be very good for a couple of years. It's it's an incredibly tough um, division to be in with the Marlins, young and talented, the Braves, a powerhouse lately. Um, They got some good good teams and the Mets paying everybody a hundred plus million dollars so it's tough um so I don't think it's gonna be Juan Soto because I don't think that they win more than like 73 74 games and I don't think that's gonna be enough um I really like Francisco Lindor I really do as long as the Mets make the playoffs and he's the best player on the team I think he's got a shot um I think he's gonna hit over 300 he's always been a great defender and he hits I think second or third in that lineup. So if he can get to about 95-ish RBIs, um, I like Frankie Lindor, especially because, like you said, other teams have two or three guys. I think he's the guy for the best. All right. I was going to say, like you said, Soto's an intriguing option, but I don't think they might be good enough for him to win it. Um, My early instincts want me to pick Ronald Acuna, who is just off to an electric start for the Braves, but... Just he might be, be the most fun player to watch in baseball. Yeah, he's certainly near the top of that list for sure. And with Tatis out, he's probably at the top of that list. Um, but, you no, know, my issue with him is he plays with Freddie Freeman, who just won the MVP last year. So I don't think he's going to be able to separate himself that much, and I don't think they'll give it to um, a Brave two years in a row. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would assume that would be the first time the same team won the MVP, but a different player in consecutive seasons. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, other than those guys, Mookie Betts is always an interesting option um, on the Dodgers. But if I had to pick somebody separate from that, um, I might lean toward, I don't know. I think, you know, if it's not a Brave or Lindor, because I'm not going to steal your pick, I don't think it's coming from the NL Central. Um, I I might I might go Mookie Betts if it's not one of those guys, but I think, um, if not including the fact that Freddie Freeman won it last year, I would say Ronald Acuna would be my pick. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. Um, one hundred percent. If it were to come from the Central, it would probably have to be either Arenado or Yelich. You would have to assume. Um, or Castellanos, maybe, the way yeah, that maybe guy's hitting. Castellanos. Now that I think about it, that's true. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't. I think it'll come from the East or the West. All right, NL Cy Young Award winner. I, I really don't even think we need to talk about it that much. It's probably going to be Jacob deGrom, right? Yeah, and it's just so tough. to watch. I've watched both games that he's pitched this year. Pitched lights out. Leads the team and hits offensively when he pitches. He's got three of them and I think one or two RBIs, and they just can't get it done. Um, besides him, they're putting up zeros when he's out there, and the bullpen is giving it up in the ninth, but he's 100% elect- the most electric pitcher in baseball, and especially in the NL, so it's got to be him. Here's a dark horse for that award. Corbin Burns on the Brewers. He's off to a really good start this year. He leads the MLB in strikeouts last I checked. 
Um, he's got some great stuff. If they play themselves into a playoff position, he'll certainly be considered. And I want to give one more MVP option. Um, we were talking about every team in this division, it feels like, besides him. How about Bryce Harper on the Phillies, if the Phillies stay good? Oh, yeah, 100%. Because just the name, people love the name Bryce Harper. I'm not big on that, but just the name, um, especially because he's been, at least two years ago, he was pretty bad. Remember, he didn't make the All-Star game. He didn't make the All-Star team when it was at Nationals Park. Um, that, that was a rough year for him. So if he, 285, 30-something home runs, over 100 RBIs, and they're good, yeah, he'll be there. Um, he'll be right up there um, with the rest of the names. I would like to see that because he's just such a big name that he hasn't really performed and his teams, especially with the Phillies, haven't really performed. So that's that's definitely one to look out for. Yeah, absolutely. National League Rookie of the Year. I don't have really any inclinations thus far. Um, do you have any ideas? I, I, who, I don't even know. I couldn't tell you the couple guys that are even performing well as rookies. Do you have any names? I don't know if Jake Cronenworth could win it this year. Um, because he was eligible for it last year on the Padres. But if that year didn't count towards his service time, I would probably say he's a really good choice. Um, I'm not sure what the way last year was because a lot of these guys did appear. Um, I think Nico Horner would be eligible if he ever comes up for the Cubs. Um, I think the Cardinals, uh, Daniel Carlson, I want to say. Oh, yeah, Dan- Dylan, Dylan Carlson. Dylan Carlson, he's an option for sure. Um, I like I like ha- Hassan Kim from the Padres too. He took yeah. over shortstop for Tatis. They played, they paid him a lot of money um, from internationally, and I think he, especially with the opening now, he can hit. So he, he's an option. Yeah, definitely is an option. Then we'll do Manager of the Year in the National League. I'll let you lead us off because I think I know where your pick is going. Yeah, um, I I think it's got to be. I've been really thinking about this one, um, and I'm not really sure where to go. I uh, I kind of want to go Luis Rojas of the Mets because I think the Mets are going to perform more than a lot of other people do. I don't know why. I'm just big on the Mets this year with Lindor and DeGrom, um, two of the best at their position. So I got to go Luis Rojas right now. I don't think it's going to be um, Dave Roberts. I don't think Padres have high expectations too, so I don't think it'll be him. So I would probably guess Luis Rojas right now. Interesting. I thought you were going to go with Craig Council. That's why I let you lead us off. Because if the Brewers are good, he'll probably be in the mix. I personally think Dave Roberts should win one at some point. Um, but it's hard to give it to somebody when that team is favorited wire to wire to win the league. So I'll stay away from him. Uh, maybe a dark horse pick, Joe Girardi, if the Phillies are good all year long. Um, another guy with a, a Cubs connection. Other than that, I would probably say Dave Roberts will be in the picture. Um, whoever wins the Central will be in the picture. And then maybe maybe Girardi would be my, my top three. You're right. I do like Craig Council. I like what he does. I love how he manages that pitching staff and especially that bullpen. He made Hayter a full-time closer. I think that'll save his arm a little bit instead of going like fourth, fifth, and sixth and then being down for a couple days, um, I think this is much better for him. So you know I'm a big Craig Council guy. I just don't know if they can get more than 80 wins. Yeah, I got you. I hear where you're coming from. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner. Thank you, Bob, for coming on the show. I always appreciate having you. Always a pleasure.
Um, hope for some good baseball. Glad the fans can finally watch it. Hope we open up a little more for the fans. Yeah, absolutely. Hope to see that. As always, this episode brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill and available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and the Cubs HQ website. Thank you all for watching and coming to the Cubs Corner.